When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals, Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Your holster is way more important than you think it is. It's just way more important than you think it is. What, look, and I get that. The holster's not the sexy part of carrying firearms, right? You want to talk about your weapon and your ammunition. You, you want to talk about your safety training. You want to talk about how you did at the range. Oh, look at my groups. I was doing these failure drills today. And all that stuff's really important. I mean, really, really important. I'm not discounting that. But I've known so many people who do all those things. They take all the necessary steps, and then they carry with a holster they bought from a big box hunting store that was made a thousand at a time. Please, don't put your life in one of those holsters. You need to trust Northwest Retention Systems because it's all custom-made gear. It's the only thing I carry around. nwretention.com, that's nwretention.com. Use the promo code JESSE, get you 10% off. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. We have been doing this show for two years yet, Chris. Have we been on the air for two years? We've been on for longer than two years, right? Two and a half or something like that. We're very experienced. I can honestly say there's never been a show I look forward to more than this one. The the story today, our history story, just good fun. Oh, yeah, I mean, people die and stuff like that, but it's just good fun for the most part. The I, I, You have carried the show today. 
The Ask Dr. Jesse questions and the lies your parents told you are jaw-dropping. Jewish producer Chris and I have been laughing for the last 45 minutes. You people are twisted, man, and your parents are seriously twisted, too. I I have asked Dr. Jesse questions about in-laws, heavy, heavy in-laws questions. I have an Ask Dr. Jesse question about making conservatism cool. And I have thoughts on that, genuine thoughts on it. And a dark Ask Dr. Jesse question about wanting your enemies to have abortions. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be such a good day. 877-377-4373. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Let's get right into it because we have... We have a lot to get to today, to put it mildly. (laughs) Let's rewind a little bit to the gangster slash bank robbing era of the Great Depression. All the names you know, and I was stunned to find out I'd never done one on Pretty Boy Floyd. I've done John Dillinger. I know, Chris. I know. At least to my knowledge, I, I couldn't think of one. I don't think I've ever done one on Pretty Boy Floyd. That is so unacceptable. I wouldn't blame you if you turned off the radio right now and walked away. I've never done one on him. But let's let's do a brief setup for where we are. That John Dillinger, Pretty Boy Floyd era. Baby face nails and so on and so forth. It is the Great Depression. And I wasn't alive during the Great Depression. I have had the privilege of talking to a lot of people who were very dark times. One of the main things that was happening in the Great Depression was people were losing their homes. And there's something there's something special about a home. You know that I'm not a sentimental person, to put it mildly. I don't cry at movies. I'm not emotional. My wife says I have no emotions or feelings at all. It's, 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 I'm not an emotional person. I, I get attached to places I've lived. And remember, we lived in 10 houses in 10 years when I was a kid. We'd buy them and flip them and buy them and flip them trying to make money, just trying to earn a living, trying to get by. And to this day, I've lived all over the country. To this day, when I'm leaving a place, whether it's an apartment I was in for six months, a home I owned, I will have a moment. The last time I'm walking out the door, I will have a moment and look at it. And I'm not crying, but it's as close as I'll come to having an emotional moment. What, Chris? See, Chris just asked if I had the same thing when I moved down the street, because I've done that before, like moved a quarter mile away, and the answer is yes. So you want to know why? Here's why. And this is, look, if I have emotion, everybody does. It's not obviously the the drywall and the boards and and the stove. You look at it. And you think about all the memories you had in it. And you're walking away from it. Again, I'm not crying on the floor, but I'm having a moment. There's there's an attachment there. There's an attachment there. People have attachments to their homes. You have an attachment to your home. When they're foreclosing on people, the banks are foreclosing on people because, and look, everyone likes to make out the banks to be the bad guys. Banks are not charity organizations. Banks are there to make money. They loan you money 
So you will pay said money back with interest. That's how banks make money. I mean, let's not be children about this, but we're not going to go into that right now. However, banks are foreclosing on people a lot of the time, and they're taking people's homes, which is not only personal for the person whose home is being taken away, it's personal for their friends, family, neighbors. Oh, did you hear about Bob and his wife and and their 10 kids? Uh, Local so-and-so community bank just foreclosed on them, gave them two days to get out. What spreads in that kind of an environment is serious resentment and animosity. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if the banks were justified. And of, of course, some of the banks were scummy and some were great and whatnot, but it doesn't matter if it was justified or not. We're, not. we're not doing right or wrong when it comes to this. What you have to understand is how much resentment there was towards banks. And another thing you have to learn about the Great Depression, picture this. People would go to their banks to get their money out, and the bank won't give it to them. Can you wrap your mind around that? Now, they have all kinds of protections against such a thing today. But wrap your mind around going down to your local bank. Hey, uh, I need to pull out my money. No. I'm, I'm sorry? What do you mean no? No, that money's gone. It's ours now. And again, the banks weren't all doing this to be harsh. Some of the banks were closing. Some of the banks were trying to cover other things because your money doesn't get put in a bank and just sit there. Your money gets put in a bank, and the bank uses it to try to make more money with it, and that's that's how banks make money. But lots of people, not one or two, were going down to banks. Hey, I need my money. Banks all, nope, can't have it. You think that creates animosity? You think that creates anger? And so that's the situation on the ground. Now let's go to pretty boy Floyd. His real name, it should be noted, is Charles Arthur Floyd, but that's so boring, we're going to go with Pretty Boy Floyd. What's his deal? Well, it's funny about these Great Depression-era gangsters like Floyd and Dillinger. They're different, and I I think part of the reason they conducted themselves the way they did was, in general, they came from good families. Pretty good families, which is very rare in the criminal world, the mafia world, street gang world, whatever, whatever, whatever violent crime you find yourself in, in general, not obviously always, but in general, the home was a pretty rough place. But these guys, mothers, fathers, very close, sisters, brothers, good families. Pretty boy Floyd was a farmer's son. By all accounts, father was a loving, caring man, hardworking dude. But some people, I don't know if going bad, some people go bad is a fair thing to say, but some people just see that wild side and they have to walk on it and they have to dabble in it. And here's a reality of life that you don't like to talk about and I don't like to talk about at all because we like to view our our, our Judeo-Christian nature likes to view everybody as being redeemable, right? I mean, you people believe that too, right, Chris? Everybody's redeemable. Every every individual's sacred. Everyone's redeemable. You talk to cops off the record, as I do. You have a frank conversation with cops off the record. They will tell you, not harshly either, they will tell you, oh, this 14, 15-year-old, 
yeah, they should already throw him in the penitentiary for 80 years. And you're like, what? What? You can't do that. How could you? Buddy, I'm not being mean. I've seen this story a thousand times. Yeah, he just did this couple petty crimes today. He's murdering somebody within three years. It's always the grizzled old veteran who knows. You start down a certain path. It's difficult to get yourself off of it. It just is. Floyd doesn't want to be a farmer. Floyd is interested in other things. What other things? Well, be careful, young men. Things you're interested in. And I'm going to patch up somebody's relationship with their in-laws. Maybe. Hang on. Jesse Kelly. Hi, we're the Goo Goo Dolls. We're fortunate that we can give our daughters everything they need to grow and learn. But not every child can focus on classes and play dates. Nearly 13 million kids in the U.S. face hunger. That's one in six. School lunch might be their only meal each day. And it's heartbreaking to imagine any child going to bed hungry. We're dreaming of a perfect day when kids can smile, play, and just be kids without worrying about where their next meal will come from. Feeding America is working to make that perfect day a reality. Each year, the Feeding America network of food banks rescues billions of pounds of good food that would have gone to waste. That food is given to families and children in need. Being a kid should be about doing things that make an ordinary day extraordinary. Learning to play an instrument, building a sandcastle, hosting tea parties. Hunger should never be an obstacle to growing up. You can help end childhood hunger in your community by visiting feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. You can find me on social media at Jesse Kelly DC on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I also had asked on top of your ask Dr. Jesse questions and your love and your hate and all these other things. I had asked for lies your parents told you. You know how we've been reading these hilarious ones all week or lies you told your kids. There's one. You guys are twisted, man. You guys have some twisted parents, and it is so stinking funny. (laughs) All right, I got to wrap up Pretty Boy Floyd quick because we have too much stuff to get to, Chris. It's an Ask Dr. Jesse Friday. We're having fun today. Pretty Boy Floyd doesn't want to be a farmer's son. Well, he's okay with being a farmer's son. He just doesn't want to be a farmer. So he starts getting involved in stealing. Stealing this, stealing that. The little petty things, you know, lifting some candy bars from the store, things like that. Ends up stealing a big sack of pennies. He is going to be busted for it. His father steps in as a good father would and lies for his son and says he couldn't have stole that. He was he was with me the whole time. Lies for his son. I guess you can... You, we could probably argue whether that's what a good father would do. I will simply say that's what I would do. I wouldn't turn my kids in for nothing. They're my kids. Finally, that life of crime leads to more serious crimes. 
Soon he's robbing banks. And he's good. He's very good at it. But kind of raw. Kind of raw. He's smart. Can think on his feet. Not violent, which you really didn't want to be violent if you're a bank robber because that brings down extra heat on you. But it just had a charming way about him. He got that name pretty boy from a woman, sat down, started hitting on some woman. She said, oh, man, you are such a pretty boy. If you look at his picture, the dude was a good-looking dude. Looks like an actor. Looks like a model. Finally, he gets himself busted and gets himself sent to Missouri State Prison. And this is one of those prisons straight out of the older movies you can picture. I'm talking the kind of prison where they'll put the chain around your ankle with the heavy steel ball attached to it. The kind of prison where you don't want to shower by yourself. A rough, rough place. And and keep in mind, I've done the story on Bonnie and Clyde before. This is this kind of prison is where someone like Clyde turned into really a murderer. Clyde was routinely abused by a, a bank robber there, abused terribly, and came out of that prison just a twisted individual, they said. Well, Pretty Boy, to his credit, seems to have avoided most of that because Pretty Boy Floyd wasn't there to just do normal things. Pretty Boy Floyd was there to learn his chosen craft. By now, he had decided, I enjoy being a criminal. I think I'm going to keep this up. So he tracks down all the other robbers and gangsters in Missouri State Prison, and he learns how to be a pro. And learning how to be a pro, like most things, whether you're a criminal or otherwise, it takes time. You have to learn how to prepare you have to learn how to be patient. He learns how to scout out banks. You don't just see a sign and storm in the door and hold up a pistol. You you watch. You learn. What's the guard situation? How far is it away from the cop shop? Do you know anybody in there? Can you get to know anybody in there? He learns the schedules. He learns to scout. He learns to evade. Common thing, at least back in the day, I'm sure it probably still is for bank robbers, you would have what's, what was called a wheel man. That was not some idiot that you wanted to stay in the car. The wheel man was your driver, your getaway driver, and he was oftentimes the most critical part of the entire thing. He did not get out of the car. He had scouted routes out of the bank. He had practiced each route out of the bank. This was the man who could put in work for you and keep you from dying or going to prison. You had specialists in every crew. You're the wheel man. He's this man. He keeps on robbing. He eventually makes his way to Kansas City. And you need to think of Kansas City during this era as the capital of crime. That may be a bit unfair because you have other cities like New York with the five families. But Kansas City, one, had a huge mafia presence in it for a long, long, long time. Until the 70s, Kansas City had a huge mafia presence. And this was bank robber central. Yes, Chris, you didn't know about the Kansas City mafia? The Kansas City mafia, Chris, and the Chicago mafia were really the two main beneficiaries of the Las Vegas skim. You know that movie Casino where they were skimming all the money and taking all the cash? You don't know this? I'm going to have to teach you this, too. I'll do a, I'll do a show on this next week, the Las, the Las Vegas skim. That was mainly the Midwest mobs. Midwest mobs. Anyway, back to Kansas City. 
He gets arrested again. Now, this time he gets arrested. He wasn't the man who was actually at the bank robbery. He was back at the safe house doing other things. And as they're escaping the bank robbery, they shoot a cop dead. This is still dangerous business. Cops show up because they follow the bad wheel man who couldn't lose them. And the idiot drives them right back to the safe house where pretty boy Floyd is waiting. Cuffs on. Arrested. Only Floyd? This is where he starts to make a bit of a name for himself. Floyd gets put on a prisoner train. Floyd finds a way to get out of his handcuffs on the prisoner train and dives headfirst out the train window, through the train window, when the train is going full speed. The cops figure out that he's gone, hammer on the brakes, and go do a wide sweep looking for him. Only Floyd was famously absurdly calm in dangerous situations. Also, as a farmer's son, and this will come into play in a little bit, Floyd was very, very calm in the woods, in the wilderness. It's just how he grew up. He was a country boy. Floyd doesn't run. The cops are sweeping the area looking for him. He just stays still and won't move. At one point, they later found out they they were within three feet of Floyd, and he just laid there, unmoving. Finally, they just give up. Get back on the train and take off. And now he's free. Only now he's getting on the radar of something called the FBI. But you need to adjust your thinking on the FBI when it comes to our story. This is the early years of the FBI. This is the J. Edgar Hoover years. The FBI didn't even, at the beginning of this whole era, didn't even have the authority to arrest anybody. They didn't even carry weapons, as it should be. They were just a bunch of lawyers. Now, it was, it was a more admired profession back then, because they weren't a bunch of political scumbags like they are now, but it was a more admired profession back then, because J. Edgar Hoover, you know, I mean, they looked down on him in history. J. Edgar Hoover was fanatical about who he recruited. He only recruited people on the up and up. He wanted educated people. He had strict grooming standards. You will dress a certain way. You will wear your hair a certain way. It's pretty much what you would want your FBI to be. Not this bunch of losers we have now. But that's another story. The FBI starts to pay more attention to this thing. And we're in an era. Remember, early years of the FBI. They're trying to justify their existence. J. Edgar Hoover is trying to prove to the powers that be that we are an important organization you want. Back to Floyd. Floyd is still, when I said he was not violent, that's that's not exactly true. He'd still killed four or five cops, four or five people. Not, look, he's a criminal. He's a cop killer. It's not good. But it was in general, in the course of a robbery, one of those forced kind of things. I'm not defending killing a cop, but he was certainly not as bad as someone like Babyface Nelson. I am going to wrap this story up because we have too much stuff to get to. Give me a second. Jake's 
Mint Chew will help you quit dipping tobacco. Now, don't don't change the channel. I am not lecturing you about dipping tobacco. You know this. I've told you a thousand times. I dipped forever. And however much you love tobacco, however much you love it, I loved it as much or more. I did. I loved it. I needed help quitting. And help help is not telling somebody, you have to quit. That, that doesn't help somebody. Helping somebody is giving them a solution, a way to transition off of it. Jake's Mint Chew, they have a bunch of different flavors. They even have CBD pouches, but it's no tobacco, no nicotine, no sugar. It allows you to put something in your lip to replace it. Go to jakesmintchew.com. That's jakesmintchew.com. Use the promo code JESSE. That gets you 20, that's right, 20% off. Oh, boy. It is going to be a day. We're going to get in trouble. Let's go. Let's go, Chris. We got to finish talking about Pretty Boy Floyd. 877-377-4373. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. It's an Ask Dr. Jesse Friday. As you know, the rest of the week is serious. Eh, Kind of. I mean, a little bit serious, Chris. More serious than Friday, Chris. On Fridays, though, my general philosophy has simply been Dude, it's Friday. Haven't we all been beaten over the face with enough stuff during the week? Especially now when everything sucks under Biden. Nobody nobody wants to feel like garbage going into a Friday. Look, I'll be frank. My feeling is I know a lot of people. People listen at different times. Uh, The podcast downloads because every show is podcasted on iHeart, Google, Spotify, and iTunes after the show. So a lot of people listen live. A lot of people listen at their leisure. I know a lot of you listen on your way home from work. I, when I used to listen to a lot of radio, I don't anymore. I used to hate listening to angry radio on a Friday when I got off work. You know, you have that feeling when there's no better feeling getting in your pickup Heading home on a Friday. You're done for a couple days. I didn't want to hear, ah, we're all going to die. I, 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 that's, buddy, maybe we are all going to die. I don't want to know. But tell me on Monday. <laughs> tell me on Monday. You're killing my vibe. I'm a big setting the tone guy. Setting the tone guy. Don't get me distracted right now, Chris. We have to finish talking about Pretty Boy Floyd. He keeps robbing. He keeps robbing. He keeps robbing. Remember, this is a man who was killed. But not necessarily a murderer out there, like, intentionally doing it. He's a murderer, but not not hunting people down. And the cops. Let's get to the cops. This was an era. This era actually sparked a a lot of gun laws, sadly. This was an era where the crooks oftentimes were better prepared for, for a fight than the cops were. Bonnie and Clyde went through this all the time. They had, I mean, they had Tommy guns. They had heavy machine guns. They just, there were times more than once the cops wouldn't pursue the bank robbers or flat out wouldn't show up. Oh, there's a bank robbery. Oh, okay, we're going to, 
We're going to get on that after this pot of coffee's done. I can't rush right over there. Oh, I missed them. And I'm not ripping on the cops. You give me a, a six-shooter like most of these guys have, maybe a shotgun, and I'm going up against a Tommy gun? And I don't think anybody's life is probably in imminent danger because the bank robbers in general tried to avoid that kind of thing. I, I might not be rushing over there either. I, I got a wife and kids I'd like to go home to at the end of the day. So the problem with these circles, with bank robbing circles, is you end up getting in a bit of a rough crowd. You end up having to partner up with people you normally wouldn't partner up with. One of, one of Floyd's main partners is a drunk and a violent person. And like I said, Floyd was not. Probably came from that upbringing. They're sitting in a mechanic's office one day, Floyd and his partner. Local sheriff rolls right up to him. Only he's not there to arrest them. He doesn't even know who they are. He's just there gabbing about the weather and such. Floyd's partner freaks out, pulls out a weapon to murder the cop. Floyd jumps in front of him and says, whoa, whoa, no, what? This guy didn't do anything. Whoa, whoa, we're not doing anything. Only now you're in a bind. Now you have to do something with the cop. Floyd doesn't want to kill the cop. They tie him up and kidnap the cop. They throw him in the trunk of the car and take off for Kansas City. Remember, Kansas City is that criminal mecca. They dropped the cop in a ditch outside of town. He was later found completely unharmed, said Floyd could not have been more polite. Just say, hey, sorry, bud. Like, that's all I got to do. Sorry. But he gets into Kansas City. And remember I talked about how the mafia was, a, Kansas City was a big mob town. The mafia had a heavy hand in a lot of these bank robberies, or at least bank robbers. When I say heavy hand, I mean this. Either they were guided by the mob or the mob demanded their cut. Oh, yeah, no, you want to go have your fun, rob some banks? Totally fine. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and get 5% of that, though. I'm going to go ahead and get 10% of that. And you don't want to see what happens if you don't get me what I want. And it, it was extremely beneficial for the bank robbers to do that anyway. They would oftentimes check in with the local mob anyway because the local mob could help you if you were on the run. You wanted a great relationship with them. Yeah, hey, Al Capone, here's your 10%. More than happy to. By the way, they're hot on my trail. You have a place I can lay low for a little while? Yeah, of course. Come on. I got you. No problem. He gets into Kansas City. And the mob there has a job for him. Pretty Boy Floyd had a great reputation at this point. Calm, cool customer, the kind of man who gets things done. And there was a bank robber by the name of Nash who had been arrested. Nash was another guy with a great reputation. Floyd did not know him, did not work with him. But Nash had been arrested and was getting ready to get shipped off to hard time. The mob calls in Pretty Boy Floyd couple other dudes and says, hey, I want you to spring Nash out of prison or get him out of police custody before he gets to prison. It's thought that he did this for money, but we don't really know a lot of details of it. There are still people out there who say he, who say he didn't do it. Nash agrees, or uh, Floyd agrees. So they're at Union Station. They're at Union Station. The cops and Nash. Remember, Nash is the man under arrest. And what actually happened at Union Station, I don't think we will ever know. What we do know is this. Nash was actually in the front seat. 
There were three cops. When I say cops, the FBI was there too. Local cops, FBI. There were three cops in the back seat. We know that three men, Pretty Boy Floyd is thought to have been one of them. Three men pop up with Tommy guns. And by the time they're done, Nash, the bank robber they were supposed to save, is dead. And cops are dead. Four of them. FBI and local cops. Now, the reason I bring up that story in such a vague way is the story was sold as the three robbers, Pretty Boy Floyd, popped up with their Tommy guns, just started opening fire on everybody there, killed Nash, killed the cops, and took off. This is widely known as a famous incident called the Kansas City Massacre. However, there is a lot of forensic evidence what they could gather after there's evidence one of the cops in the back seat with a shotgun in his hand accidentally killed two of his fellow cops with the shotgun and shot off the top of Nash's head on accident who was sitting in the passenger seat and they blamed it all on Floyd and the other guys. I don't know who I believe. I don't generally go to the cops are liars and crooks are telling the truth thing, but I will say, and I don't know what frame of mind he was in. By this point, there was nothing in Floyd's background that would indicate he's the type of man who's going to pop up with a Tommy gun and mow down a bunch of people indiscriminately and take off. That is not the t- babyface Nelson. If you told me he did that. Oh yeah. Nelson would have killed a lot more than four or five Floyd. That's not his history. But either way, none of that matters. It's known as the Kansas City Massacre. And now this is used by J. Edgar Hoover because one of his guys died and the cops died. This is used by him as an opportunity. He wants more authority. He wants weapons. He wants arrest authority. He wants in on this thing. He's going to make a name for himself here. One of the men involved with Pretty Boy Floyd in the Kansas City Massacre was a man by the name of Vern Miller, Vernon Miller. And, I mean, the mob did send them on the job to rescue Nash. And Nash didn't stay alive, and the cops are dead, and apparently the mob had a big problem with that. That and your Ask Dr. Jesse questions next. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. Like a stain on your brain, you can't get out. One in three adults has prediabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has prediabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. 
I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its Prediabetes Awareness Partners. American to do their part. And that's not hyperbole. I need you. I need you to get vaccinated when it's your turn and when you can find an opportunity. And to help your family, your friends, your neighbors get vaccinated as well. Because here's the point. If we do all this, if we do our part, if we do this together, by July the 4th, there's a good chance you, your families and friends, We'll be able to get together in your backyard or in your neighborhood and have a cookout or a barbecue and celebrate Independence Day. That doesn't mean large events with lots of people together, but it does mean small groups will be able to get together. After this long, hard year, that will make this Independence Day something truly special. Yeesh. Do these people know how creepy they sound, Chris? Uh, look... I don't know about y'all. I got together with about 100 people last 4th of July, and we shot off illegal fireworks in the middle of the road, and we had a big cookout, and it was the best. And the local cops drove by, and I'm friends with all of them, and they're like, hey, Jesse. I'm like, hey, guys. We got fireworks all over the street. Y'all be safe. You too. (laughs) And I'll be doing the same thing this July 4th too. You're welcome to hide at home if you want. No one ever dies at home. All right, never mind. We'll get we'll, we'll get to that later. Chris, we have too much stuff. Let me finish Pretty Boy Floyd. Vern Miller, he was one of Pretty Boy Floyd's partners during this failed thing. And remember, this Kansas City massacre saw the death of Nash, who they wanted saved, and it saw the death of cops. The mafia does not want dead cops. Dead cops bring heat. Apparently, they got a hold of Vern Miller, the mob did, and they let him know about their displeasure. They found Vern Miller dead in a ditch later on. He had died. The final blow was a claw hammer to the head. That was a mercy considering what they were doing to him beforehand. We're moving on. Now, Pretty Boy Floyd, remember the whole beginning of the show, how people hated the banks, is a celebrity. I mean celebrity. Anytime a bank is robbed, people, they'll brag that it was Pretty Boy Floyd, even if he didn't do it, because it's a mark of status if you get robbed by him. Oh, yeah, Pretty Boy Floyd robbed our bank. Pretty Boy Floyd came and robbed our town. He robs... In his own hometown, at one point, I'm not making this up, he invites his family and friends before the robbery to come set up shop and watch him rob. In fact, he replaces his grandfather, who was seated somewhere he didn't think would have a good enough view, and moves him to a different place so they can watch him rob the bank. He walks in the barber shop next door, And tells the barber, hey, I'm going to go rob the bank. I just want to let you know, don't call the cops or anything, okay? And they're like, yeah, Floyd, you're good, bud. 
Have a good one. <laughs> when I say celebrity, people will people will sign up for some ugly things if you're opposing the bad guy. They, it's human nature. It's not good. It's not bad. It's human nature. But these stories always come to an end. Eventually, John Dillinger gets killed in 1934. Well, John Dillinger was public enemy number one. Once John Dillinger goes down, you know the government's never going to look around and say, well, I guess we should pack up our stuff, take away our funding. We're done here. They needed a new public enemy. Pretty boy Floyd, he got on the FBI's radar big time now. And after that dead FBI agent, they were already all over him. In some of the worst luck humanly possible, Floyd is riding in a car with his partner and their girlfriends. They get in a car wreck just by themselves. They can't go into town to get help, so they send the women to get help, and the cops roll up on them. Partner gets arrested. Floyd takes off into the woods. Floyd is very comfortable in the woods. The cops figure out quickly, though, uh, okay, this partner we arrested is Pretty Boy Floyd's partner. That must mean that's Pretty Boy Floyd. Go get him. The FBI mounts up a massive hunt through the forest. Horses, dogs, the works. Pretty Boy Floyd, crafty devil that he is, old farmer's son that he is, makes it out. He makes it through the woods and past the horses and past the dogs. And remember I said he was a pretty dude and a charmer? He comes across the house starving, practically dying of thirst. And there's a lady there. He charms his way into her home and she makes him dinner. Spare ribs and stuff. <laughs> and then when he's done with that, this dude must have had game. When he's done with that... Talks her into a ride to town. A ride to town. She gets a hold of her brother. Brother throws Floyd in the car. They take off heading towards town. <sighs> sometimes, though, you're the dog. And sometimes you're the tree. We'll wrap this up. One forty five over ninety two. One eighty over one eleven. One hundred and eighty two over a hundred. And I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest and then a stroke. Your blood pressure numbers could change your life. A lot of people don't understand, including myself, I didn't, now I do, uh, the impact of having a stroke. My memory is shot. When I woke up, I couldn't speak. Lowering your high blood pressure could save you from a heart attack or stroke. If you've stopped your treatment plan, restart it, or talk to your doctor about creating one that works better for you. Start taking the right steps at manageyourbp.org. It's a new life, but I'm going to make it better. I'm coming back. Ask your doctor. Check your blood pressure. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. 
Pretty Boy Floyd happens to run into FBI super agent Melvin Purvis driving the other way on the road with other cops. He bails out of the car, takes off across the cornfield, heading towards a tree line. Apparently the cops had a stone cold killer with them who could handle a weapon from 500 yards away. And I think the guy had open sights, but don't quote me on this. Pow! Nails Floyd in the arm. Floyd gets up again, bobs and weaves. Pow! Next one did not hit him in the arm. Floyd laid there dying. The cops ran up to him, started questioning Floyd as he was dying. Floyd went out like a gangster, though. Said, I'm not telling you guys a single thing before he took his last breath. And that is the story of Pretty Boy Floyd. And now it is time for what's going to be the greatest Ask Dr. Jesse slash lies your parents told you Friday ever. Hang on. Jesse Kelly returns next. You don't have to dip forever. You know that, right? You don't have to smoke forever. And the reason I say it like that is I have been that guy. I, I've been that guy. I dipped for so long. And what would happen is I would decide I'm going to quit. Oh, that's bad for me. I'm going to quit. I'm a man. I don't need any help. I'm just going to quit cold turkey. And I would fail time and time and time again. I tried things like the patch. That didn't work. Gum sunflower seeds. I, I tried it all. It's just a matter of finding the right thing to help you quit. That's Jake's Mint Chews. Go, put in your dip. Just make sure it's Jake's Mint Chew. It's tobacco-free. It's nicotine-free. It's even sugar-free. And I highly recommend, just a personal choice, I highly recommend their CBD pouches because it really helps take that extra edge off. Get a jakesmintchew.com. That's jakesmintchew.com. Chew.com. Make sure you use the promo code JESSE at checkout. When you do that, you get 10% off. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets. 
and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.